It's Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast, and it's week 17. And I gotta say, Dave, you're starting him? <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. Play it for the people to see. It's hidden behind the sign. I guess that's that's for us, right? It's for us to know. We do have a segment, like a short one, but we need uh, segment headers. We need like, what are you drinking? With like a chorus of people yelling at us and asking. Do, do us. we need that? We totally need it. I don't it. think we need that. We need it. I don't think hundreds we need of people yelling at the same time. <laughs> what are you drinking? A uh, little something, something. Yeah. Okay. So, or just a little something IPA. So, little something is like the traditional Lagunitas IPA. That okay. is, that is a little something extra from Lagunitas IPA, right? Gotcha. No, you tell me. I mean, you're you're uh, learned. I don't know. You're the one with the can in your hand. <laughs> Here you go. You know, we have enough. We can each have one. It's uh it's sharing. This special ale is. Oh man, it's so small. My eyes are not what they used to be. The special ale is kind of like its own thing. It's got a lot of wheat. It's rich with hops. It finishes dry. We've watched with some amusement as the beer mumblers argue over how to classify it. We're in the camp with Jeffy Ryder when he declares to Ray Smith that comparisons are odious. Well, <laughs> whatever. Give us a call. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. Say Wheatley-eschiousness. <laughs> But it's a, a smooth and silky IPA, and as Jason mentioned, there's not only the little something by Lagunitas, but there's the little something something, which I believe has no, a higher... No, this is a little something something. See, the second something is in smaller letters. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So this one has a little bit higher there's ABV. There's a little something extra. A little higher uh, hoppiness or more flavors bolstered, yeah. I think it's the IPA with wheat. Mm. Well, I'm glad you like it. And we're here today, of course, to to uh, to celebrate. To celebrate the a, end of the fantasy season. A season's podcast. Well done. Cheers. Cheers. And to celebrate those of us that mostly well done. <laughs> to celebrate those of us who are still in uh, championship games. Cheers. Um, and for those of us that are prognosticating, um, you know, the people that that should be played during the season. Um, we are here to help out uh, and celebrate some of your wins and losses throughout the year that have led you to this victorious path. And this particular week, I think it's just uh, Thursday and, and all day Sunday, right? And, and then the Monday game? No Saturday games this week. Sun, t- traditional uh, Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Traditional games. And then next week is, uh, I think, the crazy one where they're all on Sunday. Is that right? They're all on the same day. Yeah. Yes. So, because... We're likely to get the Jaguars-Titans as Sunday Night Football would be my guess right now. That's awesome. I saw a uh, Jaguars-Titans game a long time ago in in Nashville, and that was was a color rush game. Thursday night game, yeah. (laughs) When it was was Blake Bortles versus Marcus Mariota. Nice. Two quarterbacks that are no longer starting. Still got some Derrick Henry in that game, I imagine. I don't know. It was a while ago. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he was still starting then or not. We'd have to dig it up. Look in the archives. I know at the time it was fun because my uh, my fiance Tractorcito. I mean, he's been playing since 2016. She was wearing a Matt Forte jersey that was a Bears jersey, but he had since been traded to the Jets, right? Which is where all running backs go to die. Okay. And uh, <laughs> uh, and she was walking through the stadium, and everybody was complimenting her on her jersey. Because they knew that regardless of team, Matt Forte was a fantasy football stud. Yeah. And I think I had a Le'Veon Bell jersey at the time, perhaps. So he got traded in 2016 and played on the Jets for two years. So it must have been 16 or 17. 16 or 17, yeah. 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 And then he retired. Yep. Well, now that we've discovered that information that was super (laughs) pertinent to everyone's fantasy, uh, uh, fantasy championship... I wanted to ask Jason uh, about a couple topics of discussion here tonight. And so uh, maybe we can do a couple little interludes of music, whatever you decide to put on. Uh, (laughs) 
Um, your choice. Whatever music we're allowed to put on. Dealer's choice. That I have already loaded up, ready to go. That's right. <laughs> Whatever spur of the moment kind of music that you want to get Whatever, on there. Whatever. Anything. Uh, my first topic of discussion is about the Broncos. So I think most of us saw the Broncos game. Uh, and we've had to see. I apologize a, to anyone who had to watch that game. Yes. And we've had to see a lot of Broncos games this year, unfortunately. Yes. And most of them in prime time, especially towards the beginning of the year. Island games, just the only thing on. All of them bad. Yes, all of them. So let me go through these things point by point, and I uh, just want a quick reaction from you. So number one, Russell Wilson apparently sucks now. What's your reaction? Give me give me a little background about how you expected him to be and how he is and if you think that it will stay that way. So Russell Wilson was playing poorly in his last season in Seattle, so it shouldn't come as a shock that he's not playing well here. Um, but I do think that he can play better um, – with someone who's calling better plays. Because one of the things that we had talked about earlier in the season about Russell is that we want to see him running more of the offense that he was successful at in Seattle, and they just weren't doing that in Denver. Yeah. So, you know, get him moving a little bit more, bootleg plays, play action, you know, lining up under center is more of his strength. rather than, We did. Rather than, like, lining up in shotgun and just surveying the field and, like, straight up throwing the ball without any sort of – extra sort of i don't know misdirection we did talk about that and that's totally the path that that they've been leading their offense down which is in and of itself uh, uh, a a misdirection for for them it's the wrong direction right (laughs) it's a misdirection in that we're gonna try and be bad apparently Mm. nobody expects that but they still kick their ass Okay, and then how do you think he'll perform doing doing uh, uh, you know in the future? So if they do get a new coach, obviously Nathaniel Hackett was fired after that game that was so horrible. And I must out there to to everyone in Fantasyland, I have to say, uh, from all of us that are uh, professional prognosticators uh, on Fantasy Pros or otherwise, or amateur ones, um, you know, putting out there that the Denver Broncos DST was one of the top 10 defenses, which almost everyone across the board did mm-hmm. because the Broncos, regardless of their offense have still had a good defense. Yeah. It seems like they all just gave up. Uh, they and, put up a negative four. That's hard to do. This was a, was just a, uh, you have to get zero sacks, zero picks. Yeah. This was a, we're not going to uh, take it anymore sort of situation. <laughs> no, that is, that is a, we're only going to take it. And not dish it out. I'm talking about management. There, I think the defense literally didn't play the game. Oh, that's what it felt like. Yeah, because did you watch the game? Yes, I did. Yeah. So were the Broncos down like 31 to three and kicked a field goal? Because I thought I saw it was 31 to six at one point, and I'm pretty sure I saw that they had three points. So like, they're down by almost 30 and they kick a field goal, thinking that's going to help them. Um, I I am not. That's certain just terrible decision making. I'm not certain of that. It looks like they scored three points in the first and the second quarters. Uh, so there must have been two field goals there. And then they've scored eight points in the fourth, which I assume is a uh, touchdown with a two-point conversion. Uh, at that point, I was not watching the defense the definitely did not get a safety. So uh, so I, I don't think that they were up by that much. It doesn't seem like, according to the box score, that would have been a thing. However... They did definitely score two field goals in the first and second quarters when they were down uh, uh, 17 and then 14 more points scored by those Los Angeles Rams. So it was 31-3 to and they kicked a field goal with one second left. Well, I guess they couldn't do much with one second. I mean, they weren't going to do much with the field goal either. Well, hold on. This is the Defend Nathaniel Hackett podcast, isn't it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. And Russell Wilson is can cook again? This is the... <laughs> This is the Let Russell Cook podcast, which if there was one of those, like they Where's have, your Jerry Judy Fathead? They have changed their name by now. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That restaurant has closed. So Denver DST seriously impacting a lot of fantasy semifinals. Obviously it was it was um Thankfully it, it didn't seriously impact mine. It made sense that I actually had them on a team that, Me too. that went on, but they were only like negative three or something because in that particular league, uh there were uh points awarded for return yards. Okay. Um, so they didn't get the maximum negative four that mine did. You know, it's interesting. I, I feel like in the future, um, in, in the offseason slash preseason, one of the things that we could do if people are interested is is start talking about commissioner-related items. Yes, I believe that you bring this up almost every time. I do. How do you feel about it? I'm all for it. Yeah. I commission lots of leagues. I have plenty of um, 
answers for your questions. So when you talk about things like, let's just talk about an evergreen topic like defense and special teams. What things should be awarded? Uh, what things could be awarded? How could you put bonuses in? Or would that make things too weighted on one side? Like that could be a whole podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I, it'd be interesting. I like that kind of idea. Um, moving on to the second topic, uh, because we don't care about the Broncos anymore. No, I didn't care about them to, to begin with either. You care about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are things that are impactful. <laughs> Not next week for me. Well, I care about hey, all... There are because they're playing the Chiefs, and that matters. Sure, if they're trying. The if... Chiefs need to have an opponent to score points against. What do we say about what usually happens when a coach gets sacked? Oh, yeah, the... The team, team does better. A lot better yeah. So you're going to have Russell Wilson go out there and score 35 fans. I even points. bring that up in one of my <laughs> points later on. Mm. So topic number two, Jason. Raiders implode. Devontae Adams just 6 for 43 in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Um, and I hope you didn't have both Adams and Denver. And if you did, you're probably not playing You're probably anymore. not playing in the championship. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr benched permanently for a quarterback that has never started an NFL game. So Jarrett Stidham, a he's guy. He's started a game. Correct. He's come in, but he's never started. Wow. Now, this doesn't mean that Stidham is not going to do well because this is a guy that was on New England who was a backup to Brady at a certain point. A guy you had on your dynasty team uh, for a year or so. I had on mine for a year or so. I know so. you traded him to me. There's the possibility here that this guy comes in and is good. It's just not a good possibility because it's the Raiders. And he's and it's Jared Stidham. And it's Jared Stidham. But uh, what do you think about the Raiders imploding? And how do you feel like that's going to uh, impact the players? Um, let's not talk too much about Adams, but, but some of the other players like Josh Jacobs um, and uh, the... Uh, the, well, I guess Josh Jacobs. The Josh Jacobs of it all. Oh, Hunter Renfro like hasn't been that much of a thing this year. He his name he scored a touchdown last week. Okay. And my brother was like, "Who?" I'm like, "Who was that?" I was like, "Oh, it's Hunter Renfro." I'm like, "Damn, I haven't heard that name in a long time." Cue like the Obi Wan. <laughs> oh, that's a name I haven't heard in a very long time. Yes. Is it my ad? No, that's the peanut gallery, isn't it? Anyways, um. The Raiders are, I don't know. One thing I saw this week is that, or I guess it was earlier this week, Josh Jacobs is now out there like talking about how, you know, there's people who try every week and then we'd never have the same, we never have the results that we look for. And like, you know, it's one of those like super frustrated uh, situations where I, I don't think that this is the kind of, this isn't a thing like firing the coach that's going to fire everybody up. Like, I have to imagine that a lot of people on that team like Derek Carr because he's been there for a long time and he's been their leader. And he's not, like, he's, he's like, like we could rename it the Derek Carr line, kind of, from the Andy Dalton line. Yeah, so. so, you know, so he's not, like, the worst quarterback in the league by any stretch. And so I have to imagine that people in the locker room like him, and I don't think this is going to help the team out over the last two weeks as far as production. So, and like you said, Josh Jacobs is one of those players who's very vocal about what's going on in the organization and, mm-hmm. and what he's mm-hmm. seen and what he has to work with. And he's also been one of the top performing running backs uh, in the last several weeks uh, with a couple of games that were just out of this world. And so if we have a situation where you have this backup quarterback come in where maybe the team doesn't really believe in it and the, the team doesn't like the coaching decisions, etc., I mean, maybe it's possible that Josh Jacobs actually uh, uh, is able to excel uh, in that situation. As long as uh, the people that don't believe in the in the management decisions uh, are not the offensive line. Right. Because it, it is very clear when we see these kinds of things happen that the, um, uh, the team itself, uh, because of the morale and everything, uh, that is is directly impacting the team from these managerial decisions. Uh, it, it trickles down, and and you can see it in in the spirit of the team. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It it felt sort of out of left field, where it's like all of a sudden today the news is that he's not going to be playing for the the, for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. and it's mostly because of his contract situation because they signed him to a really big contract without a lot of guaranteed money. But if he gets seriously injured in the last two weeks, some of that guarantee, a large chunk of that guarantee, gets kicked in. Uh, therefore, you know they would be out a lot of money on a quarterback that they're not really hot on, and it also feels like it's poisoning the well for 
him renegotiating his contract in order to stay. Well, I'm pretty sure that this this leads to him being traded to a, a quarterback weak team. Are they even going to have any leverage in trading him? Or is he <laughs> going to get released in March when they can't find a trade partner? Yeah, that could be the case as well. Yeah, that's what I see happening. So, I mean, this is just a poorly handled situation on all ends. And Derek Carr playing, you know, not great is partially to blame for this. But I think the Raiders are partially to blame, and I think that the team is feeling that, and I don't think that this is the kind of situation that a team rallies around in order to play better because of it happening. So I don't like the outlook for Josh Jacobs. He had 15 carries and 44 yards last week. That's not, you know, he's still getting the ball a bunch, but, and they play San Francisco, an even better defense than the Steelers. Yeah, so fade the Raiders. I agree. It's, it'll be interesting from a dynasty perspective to take a look at Jared Stidham, who's never started an NFL game. But uh, to your point, I don't think his team is going to be behind him and, and rallying, uh, you know, to, to I win. Hope for his sake, like, they, they buy into <laughs> it on Sunday. But this isn't a thing that they're going to spend all week thinking, like, Boy, now I finally get to play for Jarrett Stidham. Yeah. The Raiders, or the Broncos at least, get to sit there and say, finally Nathaniel Hackett is gone. The the chain around our ankle is gone, and we can, like, have a better called game this year. You know, the Raiders are clearly downgrading at quarterback. It's not going to excite anyone. So I wish that uh, number three uh, would would lead into better news, but usually at the end of the season, it's only bad news or tough news to deal with. And number three is about Derrick Henry being doubtful for Week 17's matchup against the Cowboys. So Derrick Henry, who's another player who really led teams to the championship, did really well this year, etc., is a guy who looks like he could possibly play. He did practice on Monday and Tuesday, but then uh, was was sort of uh, wishy-washy on Wednesday. And the reason for that, according to a lot of news reports that I read, was that they really want Henry to be, um, you know, to be healthy uh, for for next year. And it, it doesn't seem like the Titans are, are a team that's that's going to go anywhere this particular year. So a friend of mine at work has Derrick Henry on a team and was hoping that they would bench him so that he could confidently bench Derrick Henry. He didn't want to start Derrick Henry in the second to last week of the year. Well, the, the round four rookie from this year, Hassan Haskins, is the most likely candidate to fill in for Henry. And he could get a lot of work because Dontrell Hilliard just recently, who was the previous backup for uh, for him on that team, was put on IR. And then undrafted free agent Julius Chestnut is also in line to get snaps. And so the question really is, is it worth trying Hassan Haskins on a team that's not really playing for anything, that is a backup for the backup for Derrick Henry, that has only really gotten meaningful snaps a couple times this year as a rookie, uh, I'm going to say the answer is no, you should not start anybody uh, basically on the Tennessee Titans. I have to agree with that. Um, Haskins, you know, is not a guy who's been getting very much work. He had nine carries in week two, and he had two carries in all of the games after that. So not a big enough sample size for us to to look not at. at all. Uh, he is a, a round four drafted rookie, and I'm sure he has a pedigree to go with his uh, his. Uh, play yeah. as, a, as a college athlete yeah. but you, you without any tape in the NFL and on a team where they're not really going anywhere this year you have to assume that they're just going to do the safe things and play the year out and not really try to, to make anything big happen I think that the the aim here is to sit Henry for one more week so that he's healthy because pretty much all of the playoff hopes for Tennessee rest on playing the Jaguars whatever happens this week doesn't really matter uh, for winning the AFC South when you're the Jaguars or the Titans because having to win that game in Week 18 is the only thing that matters, really. Okay, so we, we agree on that as well. Uh, we probably won't see Henry. He is doubtful right now, but I'm assuming that as the week goes on, uh, it's going to turn into an out. Second to last game of the year, Henry has never had 100 yards rushing. <laughs> they push him too hard all year. Uh, the penultimate game of the year is never good for Henry. Interesting. Yeah, he's had a couple of really good final games of the year. Those Two of those were some of those Houston games when he really went off on them. But the, ga- the game before the last game, the penultimate game, not, um, not good historically for him. So, yeah, it is a good thing that we know ahead of time that he's probably not going to play because that means that, you know, you you have an easier decision to make when it comes to starting him or not. Yep. 
All right, well, let's let's move on into our next segment, and Jason, you can explain it in just a moment. We'll take a second to catch our breaths here. While we're uh, hanging out in the break, I, I do want to take a moment to thank everyone who has gone to our website, drink5.com, throughout the year, as well as those listening to the podcast on all the various channels that we have it on, whether it be on Apple Music or Google Music or Spotify or Stitcher, um, all throughout the internet. Those of you who are watching on YouTube now or later, we really appreciate it. <laughs> We've had uh, a bunch of new subscribers in the last couple of weeks, and we would love to see more of them coming in. So we appreciate you guys, and uh, please hit that subscribe button for us. Next year, we're going to have a ton of new content, and next year is only a couple days away. This is true. Next year is when the championship will be decided. Okay, so we've got some starts and sits to talk about, but it's going to be a little bit... um, from a certain perspective, last week we are talking during the podcast and it kind of dawned on me that this time of year is when you realize that, oh, I can't always stick with the traditional players that I've been starting all year and ignore all the players that I've ignored all year because things change so much with NFL teams throughout the year and the end of the year is so much different than the beginning of the year. You look at a team like San Francisco, which lost the first week to – the Bears and were sort of counted out for a while, especially after Jalen Hurts. Um, um, what's the uh, quarterback's name? The quarterback of the Bears? No, the quarterback of the 49ers who got hurt, Trey Lance. Uh, especially, you know, Trey Lance goes out early There's in the season. There's been two of them, yeah. And then Garoppolo went out. But, like, at least <laughs> when Garoppolo went out, they were in the middle of a winning streak that they've kept up. So, yeah, they've won like eight or nine in a row now, but they were bad earlier in the year. And, you know, that is to say that this same thing happens in fantasy football. We're going to talk about four players that definitely weren't starts earlier in the year, and we're going to talk about four players who you were starting earlier in the year. So those players that weren't starts, we're going to say that you need to start them, and the players that you have been starting, we're going to say need to stay on your bench this week. And I must say, like it's not that dissimilar from any start-sit, but to, to take it to that next level... Um, where where we make that distinction is, is kind of interesting. So I appreciate you pulling that out uh, to create this segment. Sure. Well, why don't you lead us off? Okay, so for starts, um, and, and we'll, we'll uh, alternate here for a couple of starts, two each, and then move on to the sits. They're the players, again, like you said, that definitely weren't starts earlier in the year but are now. DJ Chark is the one that I pulled first. Of course, he's a wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. and they're playing against Chicago this particular week. His ADP coming into the season was WR68 or 182nd overall, which means that <laughs> only in very deep leagues was he pulled at the very end of the draft. Yeah, um, He came in as a free agent from the Jaguars, signing a one-year $10 million contract to be a playmaker in Detroit. And after just a couple of games with limited production behind Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds, he injured his ankle in Week 3. After he injured his ankle, he went on IR for a number of weeks and wasn't actually then active until about week 11. And afterwards, he started to rebuild chemistry with Jared Goff, and that's at the point where the Lions had proven to be one of the hottest offenses in the NFL this season. So say what you want about the Lions. Um, you know, they, they're not a team that's, that's going to go very far, probably. However, they are a team that scored a lot of points. They certainly did. And uh, from weeks 12 to 16, DJ Chark put up 54.4 points in half PPR leagues and was the WR20 over that span of time. In three of the last four games, he's had at least four receptions for 94 yards or more, and he's had long catches of 41, 48, and 51 yards in those three games where he had better stats than the fourth. We're throwing out the fourth because it's easier that way. Uh, the Lions will now go up against the Bears in championship week. Their secondary is regularly roasted. They have given up touchdowns and big plays to opposing receivers almost every time they play. And uh, Chark is very clearly, for me, a WR2 or 3 that is not only rosterable but should start in a lot of leagues unless you have three super studs that are you know top 10, 15 guys perennially. 
Right. Uh, even though the Fantasy Pros ECR currently has him at WR35, and that is earlier today, probably around 4 p.m., 3 p.m. Okay. Uh, I imagine that this is going to climb, though, uh, as we approach Sunday afternoon. I have him higher than that uh, personally, and I think that other people will also probably fall in line to that, where he's more of like a WR25 than a WR35. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think the DJ Chark is a is a almost a must start at this point if you don't have guys above him, and his stats are at least putting him at that consistent um, consistent floor type mm-hmm. start, okay, which is really what you're looking for. Yes, and you're sort of foreshadowing several of the things I'm going to bring up. Um, you know, several of the points I make. So I like Jarek McKinnon this week, running back for Kansas City. He's playing against Denver. So he's come on lately at a really great rate. Over the last four games, he has six touchdowns. He's averaging almost 21 points per game in that span. He's the RB1 over the last three games, averaging 23.5 points. That's two points per game higher than anyone else during that stretch. So why the hell does he have an ECR of 20 this week? Uh, It's mind-blowing to me. I think that that may change a little bit. Um, Just like you were saying, it's early in the week. Those kind of things can move up and down still. I think that it'll move up for him. So the playoffs are all about catching players when they're hot. Championships are won by managers who can adapt, who know when to put the guy in, who will probably, who was probably a free agent a few weeks ago, over the player that you've started all year. It's exactly dis- the decision I have to make in a league, but we'll get to that conundrum in just a moment. Maybe you can help me solve it. <laughs> so McKinnon was not getting the touches he needed to succeed earlier in the season. Over the last four games, he's averaged 12 and a quarter touches per game. Before that stretch, he only had one game with 10 touches everything else was below 10 so denver may have a good defense they're actually just below average when it comes to giving up fantasy points to opposing running backs and they've actually given up several big performances in the last few weeks last week against cam Akers, a couple weeks ago week 14 against Jarek mckinnon had a really big game so now is not the time to be timid on a guy who didn't see the ball much and they were kind of people were suspicious that he would be a flash in the pan this is a flash that is still going okay Mm -hmm. so all that being said, I have a conundrum on my hands with one of my teams. I must choose two running backs between the following. Alvin Kamara, Jarek McKinnon, Ken Walker, and James Cook. So I think that McKinnon is the first one to make the cut out of that group, especially when matchups are considered. Um, and if I remember correctly, you had James Cook written down and then got rid of him. Is that right? I did. We were making notes? Okay. Maybe I just confused him with Zach Moss. So uh, <laughs> who would you pick out of that group if you had to pick two? Uh, Cook would be very far down in my rankings. Right now, uh, it'd be Kamara and Walker. As you mentioned, uh, I'm considering uh, bringing McKinnon up, uh, but but you have to understand that like the Kansas City running back situation is one of the most fluid that's out there. Yeah. Uh, and sure, he's been doing very well, and all the things that you said are absolutely true. But this is a team that had you know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, and then just decided that he wasn't worth anything suddenly. <laughs> like, that's and, true. And, and it, this is the team that over the past couple of years, I've had a team um, in the championships where – what I decided to do was was actually take whoever Kansas City was currently running at the time and just slap them in my lineup, and they scored like three touchdowns and won me the championship. See, I feel like that guy is McKinnon right now. So I know that Reed likes the, uh, like, whatever is working currently kind of situation, and yeah. he sort of rides all that. Um, or am I a little late on that, and it's now Pacheco? It's both of them right now. It's the two of them in okay. different situations. And the, the problem with the Chiefs, as it has always been, uh, is that he could make a decision that this game doesn't involve McKinnon. Um, <laughs> but but I, I like what you've put down here, and I love McKinnon. I, I guess what, what, I would, what I would get down to is the, the clear consistency winners, the ones that I would choose for someone, are, are going to be Kamara and Walker. But it depends on the teams that you believe in. And I think, like, for example, Kansas City, you probably can put more belief in as far as, like, their offense working and them winning the games than Seattle or New Orleans. And so what I would suggest that you do is take those three players and and pick the two teams that you think will do the best in Week 17. Yeah. Yeah, I'm worried that Seattle has to play the Jets. And that's one of the reasons it gives me pause with Kenneth Walker. So if you're worried about it, then you should play Kamara and McKinnon. Makes sense, but I, I think that that statistically, like the the Camara Walker 
still makes makes sense as far as how many touches they've given them over the course of the year. Gotcha. You know, but uh, but yeah, well, at least I have them to mix with Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why my team's in the championship. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at uh, another player uh, that that I think you should start. That definitely wasn't a start earlier this year. That's Zach Moss. <laughs> definitely wasn't. So running back for Indianapolis wasn't always on Indianapolis. He was, of course, a Buffalo Bill previously. Uh, they are playing at the New York Giants, New York Football Giants Stadium. I think that's what they call it, New York Football Giants Stadium, right? Okay, Jason? but it's also the New York Jets, New York Football Jets Met, Stadium. MetLife. Yes. Is it MetLife? It sounds right. Uh, I don't even know like what the sponsor name is for a lot of these places. But I, well, a lot of them don't have like a name name anymore. Like, you know, it's not Three River, Three River Stadium. Acrisure. It's not. It wasn't even Heinz Field anymore. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's amazing that it's still Soldier Field for the Bears. It'll be Arlington Field after a while. Doesn't that just mean that no one no one wants to buy the sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Moss was the number 86 overall pick in the 2020 draft. He landed on the Bills. The hype that year was that he could overtake Devin Singletary. Uh, Devin Singletary, of course, in, in some of our leagues, famously called... The Truth. The Truth. Uh, as the starter because of Singletary's fumbling issues. That didn't end up happening. Moss's carries declined year over year from 112 in 2020 to 96 in 2021. He ended up seeing more snaps as a third down back, actually, logging 23 receptions on 32 targets over the 2021 season. Now, he was traded this year to the Colts from the Bills just before Week 9, and after uh, a little bit of time being inactive or barely used on that team, he stepped into a role in Week 15. Thankfully, during that that interim, he learned the playbook, etc. Sure. Uh, after That's jo- important. After Jonathan Taylor went down with an ankle injury, which is something that I think some of your teams were not very happy about. So the team that I just listed off all the running backs on had Jonathan Taylor as well. Mm. You know, you certainly have a lot of guys uh, to fill in. So good for you drafting depth in that in that league. Yeah, yeah, it, it really helped. You know, this was the year I think not to take quarterbacks so early. For the most part, I wouldn't call it. You that. still had to land on the right quarterback. I, I would call it the year to not be zero running back. The year to not right. be wide receiver You're right. heavy. You're right. That's what it is. Yeah, because there's a lot of. Because I know receivers. people who got screwed by yeah. not having a quarterback this year. Uh, and if you had like Cup and Adams and stuff, like you may have been doing well early in the season, but yeah. not now. Not doing well now. So, <laughs> so, so he was traded to the Colts. Uh, stepped into this role in Week 15 after Taylor got injured, and now. There's this committee in Indy between Deion Jackson and Jordan Wilkins and Zach Moss. Now, Week 16's loss against the Chargers, um, Moss outtouched his competition, and I, I don't think it's really that smart to be starting a lot of Colts players at this point in the season, especially knowing what we know about them. <laughs> Very true. And who the quarterback is currently, Nick Foles, uh, at least last week, um, just had a horrible, horrible showing. But... I don't know that that's going to be the same this week. I think that they were just a really horrible team last week for a number of reasons. Yes. Regardless of that, it, you have to take starting any Colts player, I think, uh, with a with a grain of sand, uh, grain of salt. Uh, either one. They probably both are not comfortable. Uh, I think that's uh, the point. In the mouth. <laughs> yeah, take it with a grain of sand. It's so, even more of a reminder than salt. A grain of cinnamon. No, that would be tasty. Um, <laughs> so I'm confident that Moss will be a huge component of their offense, at least to be able to supply flex-level value because he has been doing very well with them. He's been the clear number one back when Taylor has been gone. The other guys have had the opportunity to do things, but even in a game like last week's where they weren't going to win, they were down by a lot, they weren't running a bunch, um, whether it was between the tackles or third down passing downs, um, it was Moss and not the other two yeah. that you saw. And so I think that uh, he's able to supply that flex level value. Now, he's currently listed as the RB33, according to Fantasy Pros ECR. But if you look at where he was at the beginning of the year, at RB68 or 281 overall, that was an undraftable person who now could be starting at flex level positions and probably should be, uh, depending on your team and what depth you have at running back, on a championship team. So it's it's quite interesting to see some of these players. I wouldn't mind starting Zach Moss here, but I would only expect him to get me 
8 to 12 points. Okay. Okay. Okay, Dave. Um, Zach Ma, I, I, I picked him up and I dropped him in order to pick up a second defense. And then I picked him up again <laughs> in order to hold on to him. And it's funny because, like, it wasn't even a good move. I sat the Eagles' defense and picked up the Browns, as we had talked about last week. Turns out the Eagles scoring a touchdown scored plenty of points for a defense. They put up, like, 13. Oh, of course. I mean, but in, look. In the league that I'm talking about, anyways. The, the, the Broncos not doing well is is not, uh, it's not a, like, a mathematical problem. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a psychological issue. Sure. <laughs> okay. But um, tough or to the Colts, st- even, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, I like Drake London. So this is another case of going with a hot hand. Um, you got to seriously consider a way for Drake London to get in your lineup. Over the last three games, London has 32 targets. That's third of his a third of his season total in just that time. He hasn't seen work like that since week two. So London is getting a lot of attention from quarterback Desmond Ritter, and he's targeting Ritter is targeting London on 34% of his passes which is a commanding target rate that needs consideration no matter what offense that's occurring on. So, London's problems, he's putting the ball on the ground, he's done it the last two weeks and lost the fumble, but at this point in the season, I don't really think that they're going to bench him because they think that's going to lose them the game. It doesn't matter. They probably want to lose games so they can draft a quarterback next year. So That's about seeing what, what can be It's seen. about seeing what you have. So, maybe like for a series or something, he could get benched if he fumbles again. I don't think that... The fumbling issues are going to keep the ball out of his hand at this point. So he has at least 12 points per game over this stretch of the last three games, and he hasn't even scored a touchdown. So that's good, consistent yardage plus receptions. So if you can add to that the touchdown to that arsenal, he's going to finish as a top 10 wide receiver. They play Arizona this week. Arizona has a, you know, a good secondary. So it's not as if the matchup means it's a slam dunk to start. But I think that you have to f- consider a way to get him in your lineup. It's not – I'm not saying you um, start him over everyone, but – Well, I have him at 34, so I would, <coughs> I would call him a flex play that is not advisable if you have better options. But Everybody is not advisable if you have better options. But certainly – That's a political answer. But certainly startable. Well, I haven't ruled out getting into politics, you know, when I get older. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So you don't want to you don't want your Drake London opinions to come back to haunt you. You never know when you run for office. You never know, Jason. You never know. <laughs> I mean, these things are public, right? They're they're out there. Uh, we are definitely releasing this to the public. You're yeah. right about that. Uh, but but I like all these guys. I think clearly, um, uh, Jarek McKinnon and DJ Chark are easier starts than Zach Moss and Drake London. I agree. But I re- agree. regardless, we, gotta, we 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 stretched a little. Let's make sure that we warm up before that stretching. But, <laughs> we don't want to pull anything. Stretch your tendons. But they, but they are, um, they are all startable players that have a little bit of an upside, depending on what occurs in those games. Guys who you were not looking at at all earlier in the year, who need to be strongly considered at the very least. Yeah, yeah. So now we're going to talk about four guys. Well, who... let's, let's take a break first, if you don't okay, mind. Okay, but I can tell people we're going to what's coming up. Of course, you it's can. It's called the teaser, Dave. <laughs> players who were definitely starters up until a few weeks ago. And Dave, in the spirit of one of my hot takes earlier in the year, you have a hot take here that I really like, even though we we touched on it a little bit earlier. That's coming up next. Scary stuff, man. <laughs> Scary stuff. I feel like someone's going to come to my house after I say this. I'm going to get a big um, group <laughs> of people to shop. You're starting him? We should just like write a whole bunch of phrases and get like ten people together to just shout things into a microphone. Well, the cool thing about um, about you know audio editing and production is that you can do what's called gang vocals yeah. without having to have ten people. Well, don't don't you know tell everyone the secrets. But no, no. As far as you guys when are concerned, when we do that next year, it's because we got fifteen people together in the studio here. We brought handed them a microphone we brought 30 people and we gave them 30 mics in my backyard and we made it happen yes (laughs) (laughs) but but as you were saying so we had the um we had the starts that were guys that you wouldn't have started earlier in the season so now it's kind of the opposite right 
That's right. Guys who you were starting up until a few weeks ago who need to make you, you know, stay on your bench. They're just going to hurt you. Okay, so the first one I'm gonna I'm gonna go with here might might hurt it might sting a little bit, but you just have to listen to the end, listen to the last word, and, okay. and think to yourself. Are about... you talking to someone specifically? No. Okay. Uh, just everyone. Okay. It's it seems like you know you're talking to one person that we both know <laughs> who is not gonna like hearing this. Well, I I do have a a friend that re- really enjoyed the fact that Devonte Adams joined the Raiders. Yes. But, but I'm not specifically talking. Some might talking. call him a Raiders fan. I'm not specifically talking to Raiders that fans. That would be an understatement. This is <laughs> this is not just for you, Tad, but it's also for you, Tad. Okay. Uh, but Devontae Adams, wide receiver, of course, uh, of Packers fame, uh, where Aaron Rodgers was constantly slinging the guy touchdowns every single game. Uh, now is on the Las Vegas Raiders. They play San Francisco this week. We'll get into that. Being traded to the Raiders from the Packers created a lot of memes out there on the internet. Adams didn't do himself any favors, certainly, by joking around about going from one Hall of Famer to another, in quotes. Sure, I mean, they're buddies, him and Derek Carr, right? They played together at Fresno State. I get that. I'm betting they were probably better athletes than all the people around them, Yeah, which is why they were great. Was was Adams referring to uh, Carr being a member of the Fresno State Hall of Fame? <laughs> Because that might be the case. It'd be a good way to walk it back. Yeah, good we way, go. good way go. to get it back there. Uh, but we're talking about the NFL now, NFL-level talent. And so far this year, Devontae Adams is the WR3. He's still doing very well overall. Now, this is a segment that we've gotten into in previous years. We didn't do this year, but I kind of like the segment. Uh, maybe we can uh, get it into um, our, our years going next forward. Year. And do you know what I'm talking about? I believe that you're referring to looking at how – Wide receivers and running backs do in the first half compared to the second half of the year. So no, hear? but I like that too. Oh, okay. We didn't then do tell that me specifically. What you're getting at. But uh, a couple times in previous years, and we've been doing this for a while now, we have talked about uh, specifically looking at the performances of high-ranking uh, wide receivers or running backs and seeing if they were actually consistent or not. If you remove uh, like outlying performances. Oh, okay. So a lot of times uh, fantasy points can all stem from big plays. So if you have like a, a receiver that has had three big plays that are 97-yard touchdowns. Like a Gabe Davis. Yeah, and if you remove Gabe Davis's like three or four long touchdowns, he's not a startable fantasy player. Right. And so anyone could look at that and be like, you're oh. You're just hoping to hit the jackpot when you start him. Right. So you're, you're playing a slot machine. Gabe Davis is a slot machine. Okay. Right? So I was glad to see that I was going up That would be a great nickname of a good slot receiver. The slot machine? The slot machine. There's got to be somebody called the slot machine. He, his number would have to be seven. <laughs> seven. Seven, seven, seven. You could do 77 maybe. Well, if he scored three touchdowns, you'd have triple sevens. But you know what I'm talking about. So a lot of times there's outlying performances. And if you take a running back that's able to break free a couple times or a wide receiver that has gotten two really long passes that are, like, obnoxiously long. Yeah. And if you're able to remove them from from their performances and you see that, oh, really, they're just the wide receiver 53. Yeah. And okay. So, so not startable, just two games that maybe he did well. That's the kind of thing that I would like to look at. Now, that said, I'm not saying that about Devontae Adams because he is, is more consistent than that. But let's let's move on. So, so so far this year, Devontae Adams is the WR3. He's had 244.9 points. Now, I can't take those points and throw them in the garbage. I'm not trying to. I don't mean to. I'm not going to do it. But the inconsistency of the offense and, therefore, Adams' fantasy production has been very apparent. Now, Adams had five games during the season scoring between 25 and 34 points. That's fantastic. Yeah. He was, over those five games in varying uh, games, the number one, two, or three wide receiver yeah, overall. That's dominance right there. On those weeks. And that's why he's the number three overall currently. Including, uh, uh, well, but, but now you have to look at the other side of that where he's also had five games where he was the number 38 or worse wide receiver overall, which is a not starting wide receiver on your team. <laughs> it shouldn't be. So five as the best, five is not on the roster, right? That's, that's horrible, unfortunately. This, this reminds me of Mike Williams-ish numbers. Um, so he, he, including one over that five-game uh, streak where he was, not streak, but uh, series, 
where he was the the number 38 or worse, including one where he scored just 0.7 points as the WR 97. All of those bad weeks, and that was week eight, I believe. Okay. He he was ruled out that game, but he had five targets and, and didn't really get do anything with them. Yeah. All, all those bad performances were between 0.7 and 8.6 points. So we look at five games, top of the top of the pops, five games, not startable. Now heading towards the all-important fantasy championship matchup, we have a Raiders team that's going to be starting Jared Stidham, a quarterback like we talked about, <laughs> and has officially given up on Derek Carr. They won't be making the playoffs this year. There is actually a small, small chance that that could occur. There's a miracle chance, but it's not going to happen. Okay. A lot of things have to go their way in addition to beating the 49ers and the Chiefs. Good luck with that, guys. That's a really tough uh, thing to do here. Yeah, especially when you're just the Raiders. Just the Raiders, yes. And, and they haven't won a playoff game since 2002. So, like, the historically... Like, like since they won the Super Bowl? That's not, that's not helping them Holy at all. Holy crap. Apparently, much of the reason that Devontae Adams wanted to go to Las Vegas in the first place was to rekindle that relationship that he had with Carr, both on and off the field, since they're actually friends. Now, putting Carr in the penalty box and all but saying he'll be gone next year cannot bode well for team morale and for Adams' spirits specifically. Devontae Adams is still going to be playing this game, right? Over the last three weeks, Devontae Adams has been the WR61. Over the last three weeks, fantasy playoffs and end of fantasy Devontae Adams has been the WR61. His total points over the last three weeks were 15.9 points. This is a guy that has been losing people games. This is a guy that has been getting people out of the finals, out of the semifinals. Uh, With all that going on, the fact that the Raiders are facing the 49ers team, the 49ers are giving up the sixth least amount of points to opposing receivers. How can you possibly start Devontae Adams? How can you look at this and say, this is a good start. Let's do this. No, you're absolutely right on that. You have to you have to sit him. But those people that have him on their team, there's no way they sit him. There's no way. I know. That's one of the toughest decisions. And one of the things you brought up earlier is like, you know, if you had Devontae Adams and the Denver Broncos on your team, you're probably not playing right now anyways. <laughs> or you're only playing for third place. And if you're playing for third place, then by all means, take the risk to score a lot of points. Yeah. I just I can't start him and it's sad because he's such a good receiver. But look at that trend. It's horrible. It I just really can't bad. see it. I can't see it. Can't yeah. do it. Start him at your own peril. It is your decision, not mine. I say no. There's too much peril. I can't let you go there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for protecting me from the from the sure. peril. Yeah. It's too perilous. Mm. Okay, so Geno Smith, quarterback in Seattle, is playing the Jets. It's gonna be in Seattle, but you know, I, I, I do think that you should be sitting Geno Smith this week. He's been a great fantasy story this season. He's a guy who was drafted as the QB 35 going into the season, the 35th quarterback. There's only 32 teams. Um, and the guy drafted that low almost never lands as a top 10 quarterback. And he didn't just sneak in there. He's the quarterback seven when it comes to fantasy points. Number 16 overall of all the players in fantasy football, he is soared the 16th most points that is like first two or three rounds good when you look at strictly points i think he's uh he's he's secured his job next year as the quarterback of the seahawks i agree with you i do think he'll be the starter next year and the seahawks have an enormous bounty of uh draft picks Mm -hmm. right now as it stands they have like three picks in the first round and then i think they have five or six picks in the top 80 or 90 so a great bounty to be had. Um, I actually think it would be lucky for them or fortunate if Pete Carroll were to want to retire right now because they would be able to attract anybody uh, to be a coach. They could get their pick of the litter. But I digress. So Smith was the dream pickup of someone who didn't draft a quarterback until very late in their draft, and he's been worthy of starting for almost the entire season. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for Smith, and for people who have started Smith all year, he has to face the Jets this week. The Jets have held eight different starting quarterbacks to under 15 fantasy points this season. The only players who have played better than, um, than the 15 points are ones who are scoring a lot more points per game than Smith, like Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Those are the only quarterbacks who have really 
done well against the Jets. And it's the really good ones. I think Geno Smith is really good. I don't think he's nearly in that tier of quarterback in fantasy football. Oh, sure. He's in three or four probably. Doing doing well this year, but tier doing three Doing well, but yeah, but not, not that kind of like at, ten, at different times of MVP candidate with all those other guys. Mm-hmm. So it's too risky to start a guy who's trending down over his last three games, 22.5, 15.3, 13.2. Um, and it's been a mix of opponents. Last week's 13.2 was against the Chiefs, who were giving up the fourth most points to opposing quarterbacks. That's a bad sign. So go over the waiver wire again and again. Find a way to keep Smith from disappointing you in the championship game. Um, I am very fortunate. I wound up picking, like, subconsciously, all players who are on one of my teams that are in the um, championship game. And I have some real legit decisions. They're like, clearly on your mind, Jason. This is, is not like, uh, like, oh my God, how did I pick all those people? I get there? that. I get that. <laughs> I'm, I, uh, I, I have the, the decisions I was talking about so earlier. So what is your decision that has to do with Geno Smith? I don't have a decision with Geno Smith, thankfully. Oh. I have Joe Burrow on that team. Well, okay. Even though Joe Burrow is playing the Bills, I mean, if I wanted to sit him because of the matchup, I'd have to sit Geno because of the matchup. And Burrow would win that. Anytime. Yeah, you got to so start I'm Joe Burrow. So I'm going with Joe Burrow. He's been playing very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jarek McKinnon, I want to find a way to start him. Drake London, I might have to find a way to start him. And that's Ooh. because of the last player I'll talk about in a moment. But first, do you talk about the quarterback you want to sit? <clears throat> well, uh, these aren't really the players that I want to sit. They're just the, the quarterback p- that you're talking about. Us they're they're simply sit. the players that must be sat. Okay. It, it's not about my what I, what I want. It's simply the players who must be. It's sad. not what I want. It's a very Zen way of looking at it. Dave. It is. Well, this is this is how it works, you know. Zen in the art of fantasy football maintenance. I mean, fate has threaded these things uh, on the loom, right? It is not. I am not the one that is determining these things. We gotta uh, have the most flowery prose of any fantasy football <laughs> podcast. So Justin Herbert, uh, of course, of, of Chargers fame, uh, recently drafted quarterback who has done so well I mean, versus... Do you mean the um, the fishing club president from his high school? That's what I know him from. Yeah, I've seen the sign too. <laughs> yeah, it was that, a cool sign. That was a great one. It said Justin Herbert... Uh, you just lost to the to fishing the club fishing president, club president from, of blah 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 high school. Yeah. yeah, it's a great sign. Yeah, it was a good one. Look, if people are gonna take the the time uh, to to bring a whole sign to like unveil at a football game, it then should it should get mentioned. It on should a be like that. It should yes, be like that. You're right. Like, don't hold up like uh, Tom Brady's hot. Like, don't <laughs> don't let's 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 create some good signs, let's folks. Don't. Yeah, let's not do that. Tom Brady uh, kisses his son on the mouth. No, that's. Well, that's I don't know what that is. Justin <laughs> Herbert, quarterback of the Chargers versus the Rams this particular weekend. Uh, there is no denying that Herbert is capable of great things at quarterback. He can make all the throws. He does crazy stuff. He runs around and does the kinds of things that Mahomes does. There's only a couple quarterbacks in the league that can do it. He's one of them. Yeah. Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. So what the hell happened? The Chargers have already locked up a playoff spot for this year, but he's put up disappointing numbers in general. For this year, for those of us rostering him on their fantasy teams. Some of that can be associated with the loss of primary receivers Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Now, they were gone for a lot of the season. And so if you look at who are the receivers that he has available, Josh Palmer and nobody else. Um, what What is going on on his team that, uh, that, that made these numbers what they are? And, and we can throw excuses at that, et cetera, et cetera, right? But even with both of them back in the starting lineup, Herbert has put a back-to-back finishes now of QB 25 and QB 30 over the past two weeks, 10.7 and 6.5 points respectively in weeks 15 and 16. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about that as a result of the matchups that he's playing? I don't think so. Tennessee has given up the third most points to the quarterback position so far this season. That's one of the teams that he played. And the Colts defense is middle of the road. And not even a team that's really playing football right now. <laughs> Facing up against the Rams this week with a better passing defense than either of those teams. And a surging offense led by an angry Mayfield and McVay. Which sounds like a really fun talk show on AM radio. According to my Sounds calc- like a really bad law firm. Mayfield and McVay? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why you immediately say they're going to be bad. It just sounds like a bad one. That's all. All right. I mean, it's no Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. 
<laughs> well, he is the law firm, right. so how can right. you beat the law firm? That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, the Rams are have been doing better. They're going to try to beat the Chargers. Obviously, that is the uh, the number one priority when playing uh, an opposing team in a sport. So at least try to beat them is is usually what you we should be doing. You should mention that to the um, Raiders and the Broncos. Well, they're really bad. Yeah, they're they're in a different world of bad. They're not. When we say the Chargers, they're not in a world that tries. Would we say that the Chargers quarterback hasn't been scoring a lot of points? He's still Justin Herbert. Like he doesn't even approach levels of uh, Raiders or like that kind of doom is is not around that team right now. This is true. Uh, but they, I, they made the playoffs. I, I'm a fan of Justin Herbert. I, I just think that, uh, according to my calculations, uh, playing the Rams, who seem to be better in every way than the previous two teams that they played, the Colts and the Titans, yeah. how could we think that, that suddenly Herbert will score 25 points? Like, he just scored uh, basically 5-10. and 10. How, how is he going to suddenly, w- with the same team that he has, and the same lineup, and the everything being the same... Why would he suddenly score so many more points against a team that is statistically better uh, against wide receivers and quarterbacks? It doesn't make sense. So there's no way that I can start him this particular week. What I do think will happen is that the Chargers will try to reinvent themselves and figure out what's going on. And, you know, the people in the NFL are very smart. Uh, they, they are going to go X's and O's, and they're going to change things. Um, and, and as a professional sports organization... You can do that a couple times per year. If you're in the MLB, we talked about this previously, yeah. you can do that five, six times a year. Yeah. If you're in the NFL, you can probably do it twice a year. If you're good at it, you can do it twice a year. And I think the Chargers might be able to do a run at it. They need to. They need to try. But I don't think that this game is going to be the one that turns the entire offense around. I think that they've already made the playoffs, and they're going to try to rest easy upon making the playoffs and not do crazy stuff in this right, they have no chance at winning the division here's a here's a little something you can look for twice this year that i know of justin herbert has had a boosted bet on the betting sites in order to score a passing touchdown this guy says look at vegas uh and don't play that player and like <laughs> my friends and i who like to look at these things call that a sucker bet and it's been a sucker bet each time because he hasn't thrown any touchdowns in those games. Games where it's like, here's a boost if he just throws one, and he throws none. Um, so it's really, you know, just a apocryphal thing, but you could look at it and try to, you know, you know, guess that way. But I really agree with you that um, they need to change a lot to turn this around, but that's not going to start this week. Right, they could, but it's not going to start this week. And so I don't expect him to score more than 15, 16 points, which is not a good quarterback play, and so therefore I don't start Justin Herbert. Okay, my last player that I think that needs to be set is Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver in Kansas City, playing Denver. I heard a sigh from uh, over there. That means that, yes, this is a tough decision. So Juju has gone through stretches of great games this year and equally long, if not longer, stretches of bad games. His stats seem to tell a clear story of what happens in those games. In the games he puts up big numbers, it's because Mahomes is throwing to him a lot. In his seven games over double digits, fantasy points, he has 62 of his 96 targets on the season. In his other seven games, he has just 35% of his total targets. Half of his games, way less than half of his targets. Patrick Mahomes is too good of a quarterback to fall into bad habits like forcing the ball to one player, unless that player is named Travis Kelsey, in which case he doesn't really have to force it to him because he's just always enormous and open and catches it. But Travis, or Patrick Mahomes is not the kind of player who's just going to throw to one wide receiver all the time because that's the wide receiver he knows well. Patrick Mahomes is too good for that. He's going to spread the ball around a lot. Juju's low target games have mostly come against good defenses. I will grant one of the exceptions was to the Denver Broncos in week 14, but I think that the Broncos firing their head coach, as we said, is going to sort of help them ride the wave of that emotion and find better results uh, when it comes to playing against the Chiefs this week. I just think it'll be the Chiefs winning, but in a lower scoring game against the Broncos. Juju is on a Juju, Juju, Juju is on a downward points trend over the last three weeks every time he sunk to a low point total of the year since week four he's had another bad game to follow it up 
So I, I don't like those kinds of patterns, I must say. Okay. But 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 you are totally on It's one the of the money. things I looked at with Brett Maher and it held true. I was like, I can't believe that random ass thing I noticed stuck. But that's not that doesn't mean anything. Okay. That's a gambler's philosophy, right? Is is that like uh is that low after low is the way to go? I, I just think that low comes <laughs> after low with Juju. Well, I, I totally agree with the volatility. He's, and... he's good for a couple. He's bad for a couple. He's been bad for one. He's going to be bad for a couple more. Well, I, I, I hate to look for patterns like that. I don't think they truly exist. Well, what I think you would agree with is that there's a lot of volatility mm-hmm. with him, and that is sometimes too much to handle in fantasy football. Yep. You need to plan around it, especially when it comes to your team in the championship. If game. we're going to put like percentages on Juju, we're looking at him being like a – uh, maybe 15% of the time he's going to have a good game for your fantasy team. Well, I mean, it was 50% of the time, but the other 50% of the time was bad. And the trouble is that, like, there's no telling. There's no real telling trends there. Right. So, I might wind up sitting Juju and starting Drake London. Ugh. I know, it's a ridiculous decision on paper. <clears throat> And I am only saying I might do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. And this guy brings Falcons to the uh, to the championship game. <sighs> Rough stuff, man. I mean, I feel like starting a Falcon means I don't want to win the championship. Yeah, well. But I also feel like this is a matter of, like, Drake like, London getting me, like, 12 to 15 points and Juju possibly only getting me five. Or maybe getting me 22. So... I don't know. That's something I'm going to have to ponder. Um, it's definitely um, something that we have to look at. Like, would you rather start more of the high floor guys or more of the high ceiling guys? No, I love it. And and I have to say, like, I think we did a, a pretty uh, good job talking through a lot of these uh, starts and sits. And I'm, I'm interested if anybody else uh, has any input on this or if any of those players are involved in, in other very close matchups or um, issues that you can't really decide between, yeah. then, then please do hit us up on Twitter at Drink5. You can also email us at Jason at Drink5 or Dave at Drink5.com. Uh, to, your, to your question, uh, I think that leads to uh, kind of our last topic of the night, and I don't have a lot to put onto it other than the fact that, um, in general, I will almost always go with consistency over upside. Everyone uh, on Twitter, like, they ask me questions a lot, um, uh, uh, and, they, and, they, and they tend to say when they're, like, backing up their reasoning mm-hmm. that, like, I want this player because of upside. And I'm like, yeah. well, okay, well, do what you want. But upside <laughs> is just a different word for a 15% chance to score a bunch of points. Yeah. And, and so what you're doing is gambling. That, that is gambling. And, and mm-hmm. of course, we play this game. We are gamblers, right? Yeah. Well, but, I mean, the whole reason this was legal in the first place is that it was considered a game of skill and not a game of chance. But I would rather, always rather, play the high floor players than the high upside players because um, the percentage chance that all those, all those upside players that your opponent or that you might decide to play and roll out and gamble with mm-hmm. are going to actually hit instead of fail. Yeah is is lower than the chance that your high consistency players, high floor players are going to score enough points to beat them. Always, 100% of the time. 100%. And and if one of Can them Can you say that one more time for the people? Play high floor consistent plays, not high upside gamble shots. Because the chance that the high floor beats the high upside player is so is so great that it's going to happen most of the time. Most of the time. And if they if they're playing multiple uh high upside players, then the odds are that that multiple high upside players will fail. <laughs> That's true. And so the like the odds of multiple ones hitting is so small. And yes, they could have an amazing score and just school you, right? But percentage-wise, if all things else are being are, are equal, uh the high floor team will always win. And that's, I think that's true in the NFL, too. That's what they try to strive for, right? right? They're not looking for just two guys on the team that are better than everyone else, but only sometimes. Yeah. This but, is why the Vikings <laughs> look like a good team but are not a good team. I still think they're a good team, man. <laughs> I think you're going to be surprised at the Vikings this year. You think they're going to lose first round, right? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Well, we should put a bet on that. Okay. That's not even fantasy-oriented, but... That's fine. 
Um, but do you agree with me about the floor versus upside? Yes, I think that that is a very important thing. Now, deciding who is the floor guy and who is the upside guy, not always so easy. It feels like right now Drake London is the floor guy and Juju is the upside guy. But that's only kind of how it feels. I don't know that that's true at the moment because Drake London, before these three games, was not doing a lot. But his situation has changed a lot. And I feel like that has helped. Um, but that's just a very specific situation that i was examining and not necessarily one where um yeah you know you're just kind of saying a general floor versus upside uh no i mean that's tough but but yes that's what you have to figure out really you look at your team and you say um who are the players with the the high floor and who are the ones with the low floor high upside and then you need to determine for yourself what you're uh, what you're comfortable with as far as risk and, uh-huh. and and I would say that, that teams that consistently win in fantasy are the ones that play consistent players. If you're going to put risk out there, maybe put one risk out there. Right. Don't don't start a team with four upside guys and then suddenly like they all score two and you're gonna cry. because um, you know exactly what you put in. You yeah. know exactly what you put in. It's true. How many Mike Williams do you want on your team at once? You know? None, hopefully. Because if your whole team is Mike Williams, then that means you could you could finish a game with uh, 15 points mm-hmm. with a full roster of individuals, or you could score 240. <laughs> and and what do you think is more likely to happen? I mean, the 240 is not going to happen at all. That'll never happen. You might score 180 one week. But you're more likely to score less. What are the chances that that week is week 17? Than the team that, that scores 10 points for every guy. You have a 1 in 17 chance. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how would you build your team, right? Uh, this is a question about the beginning of the year as much as it is the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, um, it's been a great fantasy football season on the podcast with you. Why don't you leave us with uh, some, some, some notes of wisdom? Some notes of wisdom? Um, make sure that you... Pay very close attention to the news. Make sure that you avoid starting players who are playing on Thursday night. Not because I hate Thursday night, but because this specific game is going to be trash. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you watch the Monday night game. It should be a fucking good one this week. Uh, Burrow versus Allen. And I think a lot of fantasy championships are going to be decided on that because there's a lot of fantasy players in that game. Yeah, Burrow versus Allen. Yeah. So, you know, all the general stuff applies too. Go subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, and uh, do the other thing. But most importantly, drink five. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Good night. <laughs>